Preface and Prologue of Lord of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. Lord of the World by Robert U. Benson. Preface and Prologue. Preface. Dedication. Clavi Domus David. I am perfectly aware that this is a terribly sensational book, and open to innumerable criticisms on that account as well as on many others. But I did not know how else to express the principles I desired, and which I passionately believed to be true, except by producing their lines to a sensational point. I have tried, however, not to scream unduly loud, and to retain, so far as possible, reverence and consideration for the opinions of other people whether i have succeeded in that attempt is quite another matter robert u benson cambridge nineteen o seven prologue persons who do not like tiresome prologues need not read this one it is essentially only to the situation not to the story you must give me a moment said the old man leaning back percy resettled himself in his chair and waited chin on hand it was a very silent room in which the three men sat furnished with the extreme common sense of the period it had neither window nor door for it was now sixty years since the world recognizing that space is not confined to the surface of the globe had begun to burrow in earnest old mr templeton's house stood some forty feet below the level of the thames embankment in what was considered a somewhat commodious position for he had only a hundred yards to walk before he reached the station of the second central motor circle and a quarter of a mile to the velour station at Blackfriars. He was over ninety years old, however, and seldom left his house now. The room itself was lined throughout with a delicate green jade enamel, prescribed by the Board of Health, and was suffused with the artificial sunlight discovered by the great Reuter forty years before. He had the color tone of a spring wood, and was warmed and ventilated through the classical freeze grating to the exact temperature of eighteen degrees centigrade. Mr. Templeton was a plain man, content to live as his father had lived before him. The furniture, too, was a little old-fashioned in make and design, constructed, however, according to the prevailing system of Sophobesto's enamel welded over iron, indestructible, pleasant to the touch, and resembling mahogany. A couple of bookcases, well filled, ran on either side of the bronze pedestal electric fire, before which sat the three men, and in the further corner sat the hydraulic lifts that gave entrance the one to the bedroom, the other to the corridor fifty feet up, which opened on to the embankment. Father Percy Franklin, the elder of the two priests, was rather a remarkable-looking man, not more than thirty-five years old, but with hair that was white throughout. His gray eyes, under black eyebrows, were peculiarly lighted and almost passionate. But his prominent nose and chin, and the extreme decisiveness of his mouth, reassured the observer as to his will. Strangers usually looked twice at him. Father Francis, however, sitting in his upright chair on the other side of the hearth, brought down the average, for, though his brown eyes were pleasant and pathetic, there was no strength in his face. There was even a tendency to feminine melancholy in the corners of his mouth and the marked droop of his eyelids. Mr. Templeton was just a very old man, with a strong face and folds, clean-shaven like the rest of the world, and was now lying back on his water-pillows with a quilt over his feet. At last he spoke, glancing first at Percy on his left. Well, he said, it is a great business to remember exactly, but this is how I put it to myself. 
in england our party was first seriously alarmed at the labor parliament of nineteen seventeen that showed us how deeply herveyism had impregnated the whole social atmosphere there had been socialists before but none like gerstav herve in his old age at least no one of the same power he perhaps you have read taught absolute materialism and socialism developed to our logical issues patriotism he said was a relic of barbarism and sensual enjoyment was the only certain good of course everyone laughed at him it was said that without religion there could be no adequate motive among the masses for even the simplest social order but he was right it seemed after the fall of the french church at the beginning of the century and the massacres of nineteen fourteen the bourgeoisie settled down to organize itself and that extraordinary movement began in earnest pushed through by the middle classes with no patriotism no class distinctions practically no army of course freemasonry directed it all this was spread to germany where the influence of karl marx had already yes sir put in percy smoothly but what of england if you don't mind ah yes england well in nineteen seventeen the labor party gathered up the reins and communism really began that was long before i can remember of course but my father used to date it from then the only wonder was that things did not go forward more quickly but i suppose there was a good deal of tory leaven left besides centuries generally run slower than it's expected especially after beginning with an impulse but the new order began then and the communists have never suffered a serious reverse since except the little one in twenty-five blenkin founded the new people then and the times dropped out but it was not strangely enough till thirty-five that the house of lords fell for the last time the established church had gone finally in twenty-nine and the religious effect of that asked percy swiftly as the old man paused to cough slightly lifting his inhaler the priest was anxious to keep to the point it was an effect itself said the other rather than a cause you see the ritualists as they used to call them after a desperate attempt to get into the labor swim came into the church after the convocation of nineteen when the nicene creed dropped out and there was no real enthusiasm except among them but so far as there was an effect from the final disestablishment i think it was that what was left of the state church melted into the free church and the free church was after all nothing more than a little sentiment the bible was completely given up as an authority after the renewed german attacks in the twenties and the divinity of our lord something had gone all but in name by the beginning of the century the kenotic theory had provided for that then there was that strange little movement among the free churchmen even earlier when ministers who did no more than follow the swim who were sensitive to draughts so to speak broke off from their old positions it is curious to read in the history of the time how they were hailed as independent thinkers it was just exactly what they were not where was i oh yes well that cleared the ground for us and the church made extraordinary progress for a while extraordinary that is under the circumstances because you must remember things were very different from twenty or even ten years before i mean that roughly speaking the severing of the sheep and the goats had begun the religious people were practically all catholics and individualists the irreligious people rejected the supernatural altogether and were to a man materialists and communists but we made progress because we had a few exceptional men delaney the philosopher macarthur and largent philanthropists and so on 
it really seemed as if delaney and his disciples might carry everything before them you remember his analogy oh yes it is all in the textbooks well then at the close of the vatican council which had been called in the nineteenth century and never dissolved we lost a great number through the final definitions the exodus of the intellectuals the world called it the biblical decisions put in the younger priest that partly and the whole conflict that began with the rise of modernism at the beginning of the century but much more the condemnation of delaney and of the new transcendentalism generally as it was then understood he died outside the church you know then there was a condemnation of scuolti's book on comparative religion after that the communists went on by strides although by very slow ones it seems extraordinary to you i dare say but you cannot imagine the excitement when the necessary trades bill became law in sixty people thought that all enterprise would stop when so many professions were nationalized but you know it didn't certainly the nation was behind it what year was the two-thirds majority bill passed asked percy oh long before within a year or two of the fall of the house of lords it was necessary i think or the individualists would have gone raving mad well the necessary trades bill was inevitable people had begun to see that even so far back as the time when the railways were municipalized for a while there was a burst of art because all the individualists who could went in for it it was then that the toller school was founded but they soon drifted back into government employment after all the six per cent limit for all individual enterprise was not much of a temptation and government paid well percy shook his head but i cannot understand the present state of affairs you said just now that things went slowly yes said the old man but you must remember the poor laws that established the communists forever certainly braithwaite knew his business the younger priest looked up inquiringly the abolition of the old workhouse system said mr templeton it is all ancient history to you of course but i remember it as if it was yesterday it was that which brought down what was still called the monarchy in the universities ah said percy i should like to hear you talk about that sir presently father well this is what brainthwaite did by the old system all paupers were treated alike and resented it by the new system there were the three grades that we have now and the enfranchisement of the two higher grades only the absolutely worthless were assigned to the third grade and treated more or less as criminals of course after careful examination then there was the reorganization of the old age pensions well don't you see how strong that made the communists the individualists they were still called tories when i was a boy the individualists have had no chance since they are no more than a worn-out drag now the whole of the working class and that meant ninety-nine of a hundred were all against them percy looked up but the other went on then there was the prison reform bill under macpherson and the abolition of capital punishment there was the final education act of fifty nine whereby dogmatic secularism was established the practical abolition of inheritance under the reformation of the death duties i forget what the old system was said percy why it seems incredible but the old system was that all paid alike first came the heirloom act and then the change by which inherited wealth paid three times the duty of earned wealth leading up to the acceptance of karl marx's doctrines in eighty nine but the former came in seventy seven well all these things kept england up to the level of the continent she had only been just in time to join in with the final scheme of western free trade 
that was the first effect you remember of the socialist victory in germany and how did we keep out of the eastern war asked percy anxiously oh that's a long story but in a word america stopped us so we lost india and australia i think that was the nearest to the downfall of the communists since twenty five but braithwaite got out of it very cleverly by getting us the protectorate of south africa once and for all he was an old man then too mr templeton stopped to cough again father francis sighed and shifted in his chair and america asked percy ah well that is very complicated but she knew her strength and annexed canada the same year that was when we were at our weakest percy stood up have you a comparative atlas sir he asked the old man pointed to a shelf there he said percy looked at the sheets a minute or two in silence spreading them on his knees it is all much simpler certainly he murmured glancing first at the old complicated coloring of the beginning of the twentieth century and then at the three great washes of the twenty-first he moved his finger along asia the words eastern empire ran across the pale yellow from the ural mountains on the left to the bering straits on the right curling round in giant letters through india australia and new zealand he glanced at the red it was considerably smaller but still important enough considering that it covered not only europe proper but all russia up to the ural mountains and africa to the south the blue labeled american republic swept over the whole of that continent and disappeared right round to the left of the western hemisphere in a shower of blue sparks on the white sea yes it's simpler said the old man dryly percy shut the book and set it by his chair and what next sir what will happen the old tory statesman smiled god knows he said if the eastern empire chooses to move we can do nothing i don't know why they have not moved i suppose it is because of religious differences europe will not split asked the priest no no we know our danger now and america would certainly help us but all the same god help us or you i should rather say if the empire does move she knows her strength at last there was a silence for a moment or two a faint vibration trembled through the deep sunk room as some huge machine went past on the broad boulevard overhead prophecy sir said percy suddenly i mean about religion mr templeton inhaled another long breath from his instrument then again he took up his discourse briefly he said there were three forces catholicism humanitarianism and the eastern religions about the third i cannot prophesy though i think the sufis will be victorious anything may happen esotericism is making enormous strides and that means pantheism and the blending of the chinese and japanese dynasties throws out all our calculations but in europe and america there is no doubt that the struggle lies between the other two we can neglect everything else and i think if you wish me to say what i think that humanly speaking catholicism will decrease rapidly now it is perfectly true that protestantism is dead men do recognize at last that a supernatural religion involves an absolute authority and that private judgment in matters of faith is nothing else than the beginning of disintegration and it is also true that since the catholic church is the only institution that even claims supernatural authority with all of its merciless logic she has again the allegiance of practically all christians who have any supernatural belief left very few faddists left especially in america and here 
but they are negligible. That is all very well, but, on the other hand, you must remember that humanitarianism, contrary to all persons' expectations, is becoming an actual religion itself, though anti-supernatural. It is pantheism. It is developing a ritual under Freemasonry. It has a creed, God is man, and the rest. It has, therefore, a real food of a sort to offer to religious cravings. It idealizes, and yet it makes no demand upon the spiritual faculties. Then, they have the use of all the churches except ours, and all the cathedrals, and they are beginning at last to encourage sentiment. Then, they may display their symbols, and we may not. I think that they will be established legally in another ten years at the latest. Now, we Catholics, remember, are losing. We have lost steadily for more than fifty years. I suppose that we have, nominally, about one-fortieth of America now, and that is the result of the Catholic movement of the early twenties. In France and Spain we are nowhere. In Germany we are less. We hold our position in the East, certainly. But even there we have not more than one in two hundred, so the statistics say, and we are scattered. In Italy? Well, we have Rome again to ourselves, but nothing else here. We have Ireland altogether, and perhaps one in sixty in England, Wales, and Scotland. But we had one in forty, seventy years ago. Then there is the enormous progress of psychology, all clean against us for at least a century. First, you see, there was materialism, pure and simple, that failed more or less. It was too crude, until psychology came to the rescue. Now psychology claims all the rest of the ground, and the supernatural sense seems accounted for. That's the claim. No, father, we are losing, and we shall go on losing, and I think we must even be ready for a catastrophe at any moment. But, began Percy, you think that weak for an old man on the edge of the grave. Well, it is what I think. I see no hope. In fact, it seems to me that even now something may come on us quickly. No, I see no hope until... Percy looked up sharply. Until our Lord comes back, said the old statesman. Father Francis sighed once more, and there fell a silence. And the fall of the universities, said Percy at last. My dear father, it was exactly like the fall of the monasteries under Henry the Eighth. The same results, the same arguments, the same incidents. They were the strongholds of individualism, as the monasteries were the strongholds of papalism, and they were regarded with the same kind of awe and envy. Then the usual sort of remarks began about the amount of port wine drunk, and suddenly people said that they had done their work, that the inmates were mistaking means for ends, and there was a great deal more reason for saying it. After all, granted the supernatural, religious houses are an obvious consequence, but the object of secular education is presumably the production of something visible, either character or competence, and it became quite impossible to prove that the universities produced either, which was worth having. The distinction between Greek, u, and Greek, me, is not an end in itself, and the kind of person produced by its study was not one which appealed to England in the twentieth century. I am not sure that it appealed even to me much, and I was always a strong individualist, except by way of pathos. Yes, said Percy. Oh, it was pathetic enough. The science schools of Cambridge and the colonial department of Oxford were the last hope, and then those went. The old dons crept about with their books, but nobody wanted them. They were too purely theoretical. Some drifted into the poorhouse, first or second grade. Some were taken care of by charitable clergymen. 
there was that attempt to concentrate in Dublin, but it failed, and people soon forgot them. The buildings, as you know, were used for all kinds of things. Oxford became an engineering establishment for a while, and Cambridge a kind of government laboratory. I was at King's College, you know. Of course it was all as horrible as it could be, though I am glad that I kept the chapel open even as a museum. It was not nice to see the chantries filled with anatomical specimens. However, I don't think it was much worse than keeping stoves and surplices in them. What happened to you? Oh, I was in Parliament very soon, and I had a little money of my own, too. But it was very hard on some of them. They had little pensions, at least all who were past work. And yet I don't know. I suppose it had to come. They were very little more than picturesque survivals, you know, and had not even the grace of a religious faith about them. Percy sighed again, looking at the humorously reminiscent face of the old man. Then he suddenly changed the subject again. What about this European Parliament, he said. The old man started. Oh, I think it will pass, he said, if a man can be found to push it. All this last century has been leading up to it, as you see. Patriotism has been dying fast, but it ought to have died, like slavery, and so forth, under the influence of the Catholic Church. As it is, the work has been done without the Church, and the result is that the world is beginning to range itself against us. It is an organized antagonism, a kind of Catholic anti-Church. Democracy has done what the divine monarchy should have done. If the proposal passes, I think we may expect something like persecution once again. But, again, the Eastern invasion may save us, if it comes off. I do not know. Percy sat still yet a moment, then he stood up suddenly. I must go, father, he said, relapsing into Esperanto. It is past nineteen o'clock. Thank you so much. Are you coming, father? Father Francis stood up also in the dark gray suit permitted to priests, and took up his hat. Well, father, said the old man again, come again some day, if I haven't been too discursive. I suppose you have to write your letter yet. Percy nodded. I did half of it this morning, he said, but I felt I wanted another bird's-eye view before I could understand properly. I am so grateful to you for giving it me. It is really a great labor, this daily letter to the Cardinal Protector. I am thinking of resigning, if I am allowed. My dear father, don't do that. If I may say so to your face, I think you have a very shrewd mind, and unless Rome has balanced information, she can do nothing. I don't suppose her colleagues are as careful as yourself. Percy smiled, lifting his dark eyes deprecatingly. Come, father, he said. The two priests parted at the steps of the corridor, and Percy stood for a minute or two, staring out at the familiar autumn scene, trying to understand what it all meant. What he had heard downstairs seemed strangely to illuminate that vision of splendid prosperity that lay before him. The air was as bright as day. Artificial sunlight had carried all before it, and London now knew no difference between dark and light. He stood in a kind of glazed cloister, heavily floored with preparation of rubber, on which footsteps made no sound. Beneath him, at the foot of the stairs, poured an endless double line of people, severed by a partition, going to right and left, noiselessly, except for the murmur of Esperanto talking that sounded ceaselessly as they went. Through the clear, hardened glass of a public passage stood a broad, sleek, black roadway, ribbed from side to side, and puckered in the center, 
significantly empty but even as he stood there a note sounded far away from old westminster like the hum of a giant hive rising as it came and an instant later a transparent thing shot fast flashing from every angle and the note died to a hum again and a silence as the great government motor from the south whirled eastwards with the mails this was a privileged roadway nothing but state vehicles were allowed to use it and those at a speed not exceeding one hundred miles an hour other noises were subdued in this city of rubber the passenger circles were a hundred yards away and the subterranean traffic lay too deep for anything but a vibration to make itself felt it was to remove this vibration and silence the hum of the ordinary vehicles that the government experts had been working for the last twenty years once again before he moved there came a long cry from overhead startlingly beautiful and piercing and as he lifted his eyes from the glimpse of the steady river which alone had refused to be transformed he saw high above him against the heavy illuminated clouds a long slender object glowing with soft light slide northwards and vanish on outstretched wings that musical cry he told himself was the voice of one of the european line of volors announcing its arrival in the capital of great britain until our lord comes back he thought to himself and for an instant the old misery stabbed at his heart how difficult it was to hold the eyes focused on that far horizon when this world lay in the foreground so compelling in its splendor and its strength oh he'd argue with father francis an hour ago that size was not the same as greatness and that an insistent external could not exclude a subtle internal and he had believed what he had then said but the doubt yet remained till he silenced it by a fierce effort crying in his heart to the poor man of nazareth to keep his heart as the heart of a little child then he set his lips wondering how long father francis would bear the pressure and went down the steps end of preface and prologue recording by maria therese